turkey with pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes topped with butter-drenched socialism? Wait, what? Am I reading this wrong? What does socialism have to do with Thanksgiving, guys? Well, Kyle, let me tell you, it has a lot to do with Thanksgiving. And the pilgrims were sure thankful when they abandoned it. You heard it here, folks. Socialist pilgrims coming up on this episode of Wikipedia Podcast. Welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. Wikipedia is a ministry of enemies within the church, and so you need to visit enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com, and you need to donate today to help support the project and to keep the woke church retreating in this culture war, because we don't want to go and to give them a single inch. They've come and they have taken so much so far. We want to drive them back as we go and we advance the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. So go ahead and go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. But also, we want to hear from you, so email us at contactwokipedia at gmail.com. Go ahead and email us at contactwokipedia at gmail.com and tell us which host you are most thankful for. Of course, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, so go ahead and tell us which host you are most thankful for. Is it me? I'm not even going to introduce the other two because, uh, because I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, we all know it's just going to be me. No, I'm just kidding. You, you might want to go and vote for one of the other two. So how are you guys doing today, Kyle and Micah? How are you guys doing? Uh, well, I know what I'm going to be doing in a little bit. You're doing better before I. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'll just edit that audio. So it sounds like you're complimenting me and Micah. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the way to go. Right there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I think your editing skills are wonderful, but people should still vote for me to be the most thankful um, for uh, for the hosts. Uh, I, I think that's the oh, way to go. Sam, I think you're, uh, I think you're, uh, I think you're taking all the glory for yourself there, bud. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that, but uh, I. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Let me I just make some editing notes Okay, at three minutes and thirty. Okay. Anyway, let's continue on. Yeah. Well, you, you know, instead of talking about us, I think we should talk about our guest because our guest is actually who people should be thankful for, and that's who I'm thankful for uh, coming on today. And it's it's none other than Bev Sullivan. Bev, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Now I. I'm excited about this because, uh, you, you know, Thanksgiving is is right around the corner. You know, when people are listening to this, they're probably actually going to be driving to uh, the, the destination to go and to have that great Thanksgiving dinner. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have done just an incredible job of really diving in and giving some historical and Christian foundations um, to to really Thanksgiving and to how really they got it wrong to begin with and then – they got it right. And, and so I'm excited mm -hmm. to get into that and to talk about that. Um, but, but, 
before we get into that, I want to tell people where they can find out about it and where they can find out more from uh, you and from your writing. Because yeah. let me just tell you, I love the articles that you write and, and just the, the work that you do for Christ. And so people need to go to discoverbedrocktruth.org. Once again, that's discoverbedrocktruth.org. And specifically for the topic that we're going to be talking about today, it's discoverbedrocktruth.org slash Thanksgiving. Uh, f- folks, I uh, uh, probably should know I have two websites. Wordfoundations.com is the website for articles. Discover Bedrock Truth is the uh, website uh, for Bible studies. But the address that you gave, discoverbedrocktruth.org slash Thanksgiving, and I think that's the one that folks need to remember. Uh, that will take you to a page that uh, has articles specifically related to Thanksgiving and lessons that are uh, pertinent for 21st century Americans uh, from those his- historical uh, events. Absolutely. So, so Bev, you know, what's this you mentioned, though, about pilgrims and socialism? Because I thought pilgrims <laughs> just kind of went with Turkey, not socialism. So, I mean, what what is this with pilgrims and socialism? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you dive into uh, the um, actual events that occurred at Plymouth and not just in Plymouth, but 10 years earlier at Jamestown. And you learn that uh, both of these early American colonies uh, had experiments in socialism. Um, I wrote a 100 word paragraph that describes basically what happened. I'll read it quickly. In the early 1600s, settlers at both Jamestown and Plymouth initially sought to produce food and wealth according to a communal system. Workers contributed the fruits of their labors to a common store on which all relied. This approach pushed both settlements to the brink of starvation. The people knew they would starve if they continued operating this way, so they assigned land directly to individuals and families who then would reap the benefits of their own work. After this change, both communities prospered. History proves that socialism leads to bondage and misery and that free enterprise promotes freedom and prosperity. Wow. I mean, I... Do you think this is taught in schools? Because I I don't think it's taught in schools a whole lot today. What what do you guys think? Often, I think in in our public school system, the the story of Thanksgiving uh, (laughs) is that when the the pilgrims received help from the Indians and then when they had a bountiful harvest, they invited the Indians so they could thank them for their help. And uh, God is out of the picture. Um, there are also stories of uh, oppression that, you know, the whites came to oppress the native peoples and so forth. But uh, history itself uh, reveals quite a different story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, so, so you mentioned both Plymouth and Jamestown then. Um, yes. So can you begin by giving us a little bit of an introduction of what happened at Plymouth? So so first of all, why would they have tried 
um, some form of socialism at Plymouth? What was the what was the reasoning behind it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it was because the investors who had financially supported the voyage of the Mayflower across the Atlantic that carried the, the pilgrims, they had an agreement with them. Financially, they wouldn't have been able to um, make their voyage and um, establish their settlement without the financial uh, support of the investors. And they had an agreement that they would work for five out of uh, for seven years. They would work uh, for each week. They would work five days for the investors and two days for themselves. And then at the end of the seven years, they would split the profits between them. But the catch was the primary catch was that they had to operate in a communal system that they had to work and everything produced was put in a common store. And then everything that was um, uh, uh, all the needs were drawn from that same store. And so it, it was actually the investors, uh, the agreement that they had with the investors that prompted them to uh, approach it this way. It brought them over a two-year period to the brink of starvation. And they began to realize that if they continued the way they were going, um, they would all starve. Then where would the investors, uh, uh, you know, what I, I'm sure their primary concern was not necessarily the investors, but uh, it was themselves as well. But what what would they have to offer the investors if they all starved? So um, they ditched the socialist approach and instituted private property. The key ingredient to the socialist approach or the communal system was no private property. Everything was held in common. Hmm. And it did not work. No. Yeah. That, well, that just sounds like absolute torment for them. So, I mean, if they're going, I mean, imagine this, they're going to the, this new world, literally just totally unexplored mm -hmm. by, by Western people. There's, it's unprecedented what they're doing. Then they come and they do this at the behest of the investors. And then it leads them virtually to starvation to the point where they almost die out. I mean, that had to have been an in, incredibly intense experience. Um, and yet it's just astonishing to me that this isn't something that's common knowledge or taught in schools. Yeah. We don't know about this. Very, hmm. it, I mean, we do now because you're telling us about it, but most people don't know. Well, let's explore why this didn't work. Uh, we're fortunate that uh, William Bradford, who became the uh, governor of the Plymouth Colony shortly after it was established, I think John Carver was the first governor, but um, he died and replacing him was um, William Bradford. And uh, he kept an account of the things that transpired at Plymouth. And uh, one of the articles at discoverbedrocktruth.org slash Thanksgiving, you can link to the article there, is an article titled Ditching Socialism in the New World. And it is a paraphrase of Bradford's account 
of this two-year experiment the Pilgrims had in socialism. And uh, the the pair, I'm going to read from the paraphrase uh, or summarize it, um, but uh, approaching this uh, task that they had to grow crops in the new world, um, they had some problems that arose, uh, some severe problems. Um, imagine William Bradford um, expressing to you in modern English some of the challenges they faced. The young unmarried men who, who were strongest and who had the most time and the greatest ability to produce, they resented that they were, in effect, being made to work for other men's wives and, and their families without any additional compensation. Um, whether strong or weak, everyone working whether he did much or little, would wind up with the same amount of food and other resources as everyone else. If an individual worked a full eight hours a day and another worked for only two, each received the same. Those carrying the greater load strongly believed this to be a, a extreme injustice. Can you blame them? <laughs> Experience counted for nothing. The older men felt disrespected by those who were younger. And under the communal arrangement, the wives had to cook and do laundry uh, for anyone and everyone, not just their own husbands and families. This angered the husbands who, along with their wives, felt it was a form of slavery. So uh, this expectation that, you know, people would have to do jobs for people outside their own families or people uh, not caring for themselves first um, brought resentment and envy and greed. And this was, this was among a people who actually, th they loved each other. They wanted the best mm -hmm. for everybody in their community. But yeah. they, it, the communal system put them at each other's throats. Mm. Brought out the worst in them. And breeded, breeded this kind of uh, uh, tension and uh, the, the, uh, problems that they had because uh, the envy, the greed, and so forth because of the expectations and the, the lack of justice in the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you say all that, it just kind of makes me think about the fact that, you know, we live in America and even though uh, things have been getting more and more communistic and socialistic as time has gone on, you know, for, for most of American history, this has been um, a, a country that has turned away from that kind of socialism and towards um, a, a free, a free market and, and towards capitalism. And so we get to see the benefits of that in our daily lives. And so we don't really quite, I think, grasp as modern people. Most of us don't grasp how much, how difficult that actually would have been and what kind of hardship that would have really been like. But for them, I mean, we have to think about this in terms of the fact that they were just settling something that had never, this is something that was never been done before. They had to build their own homes. Essentially, mm -hmm. they had to build their um, own storage places. They had to grow everything. This was like a, a total ground up movement that they had to do to keep their community alive. 
And then on top of it, um, socialism is implemented. And as you're talking about, they have all of these issues and um, and it brings out this it, it basically sin is what I'm hearing from you, that there's a there is communism or socialism inherently um, amplifies in some way uh, the sinful natures of men. And that's that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sure that that was exasperated by the circumstances of what it was what, what it was like to be a new settler. Uh, a key in, uh, a key ingredient here is either the absence or the presence of a recognition of private property. Because right. if you have private property, and th this is this is actually how they came out of the woods and they, they ditched the communal system and William Bradford, they talked about it among themselves and decided that uh, uh, Governor Bradford would allot specific land to families and individuals who weren't, who were single were placed with families and each family was responsible to grow their own food. And so they would uh, actually own what they grew and what they were able to produce, and they would have control over what they produced. And so now capitalism gets a bad rap <laughs> because, uh, you know, people hear that and they think, oh, well, you can accumulate for yourself. But if you are taken care of first, if you take responsibility to, and this is the thing that uh, capitalism does that is so positive, it enhances our drive and incentive to take responsibility. And when we do that, we, and we have control and we, we develop management skills and we develop stewardship skills over what we own and what we produce. And then we have, if, if we make a profit, which is beneficial for us, then we're able to be legitimately concerned about others' needs. Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, 4.28, let him who steals or who stole steal no longer, but let him labor with his hands so that he might uh, have something uh, to give, to earn, and then to give to the poor, the one who has needs. And that encapsulates exactly what the free enterprise system uh, sets the stage for us to do. And it actually sets the stage for us to follow God's law, being responsible, being productive, working hard, um, and taking care of uh, our, our own needs and those in our families, those closest to us, and then also being concerned about others' needs. You, you, you know, Bev, you, you mentioned here a lot of things. You, you mentioned capitalism, you're mentioning free enterprise, and you're, you're mentioning this idea of God's law and following God's law. And I have to be honest, my mind went to just one place and one place in particular, and that is enemieswithinthechurch.com. And people need to go to enemieswithinthechurch.com, and they need to go there because they can go and exercise that free enterprise and that capitalism by purchasing a DVD from enemieswithinthechurch.com. 
com, And of course, when they do that, they're going to be going and watching a, a, a movie, a documentary that is all about upholding God's law because, of course, the woke church has come in and it has promoted antinomianism, pietism and situational ethics. And it goes and it just really goes and says, you know, we need to get back to God's word in the standard of God's word. And so you need to go there and go to enemieswithinthechurch.com. And of course, in doing that, you support ministries just like this at Wikipedia uh, podcast and keep things like this going and of course growing, which is important. Uh, but Kyle, you, you've been, you've been listening real intently here to all of this. What, what mm. are your thoughts on what's happening here as Bev's describing it? Uh, in, in Plymouth. And of course, then he also mentioned some about Jamestown, but, but, but what are your thoughts here about this as you're listening in? Well, I find it absolutely fascinating. And <clears throat> to, <sighs> one, to have this historical American historical record of the fruits of socialism, but to have the flesh put onto a story that I've known my entire life, yet I didn't realize, and I think this is probably probably similar for most people, it's so familiar that we don't know the details. Why? We, we know that they had a rough, right. a rough time and that something changed and then Thanksgiving and that the, the Indians were involved mm -hmm. in part of that. But obviously there's something occurring there's a reason why they're they're going downhill there's a reason why was it uh I, I was looking it up it's 46 of them died uh by by the first thanksgiving basically about half of them and that doesn't just that other colonies other uh ventures didn't have those kind of death rates so what's special about Plymouth? And to have these bones of, oh, it's because they tried socialism and it started to fall apart. It's fascinating. And so well, Bev, let's, it, it, let's, let's do two things. Because uh, we need to talk about Jamestown. And I want, I want us to talk about that. But I have a question. Are there any sure. books, specifically books, maybe other, other resources, but are there any books that go over this history, uh, even just like a biography of William Bradford or something that goes through his diaries, anything like that. Cause now I'm curious, I want something like that. Well, there is a biography of, uh, William Bradford. I, I think I, uh, I drew from, uh, in, in my writing, uh, ditching socialism in the new world. Um, and it was written like in the fifties, um, mm. I actually, um, looked at a portion of that. I haven't read it. Um, but, um, there are, there are some, um, books that, you know, Rush Limbaugh has been <laughs> famous for making this story widely known. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I, um, basically relied most heavily on Bradford's account himself, you know, with, uh, mm. it's of, of Plymouth plantation. The uh, language is outdated for, um, uh, modern Americans. Um, but, um, nevertheless, uh, it, it, and actually what, what I've done 
in the uh, this easily accessible in the online version of ditching socialism is I copied verbatim the portion that I had just paraphrased and there are links to um, William Bradford's actual words wow. so that people can see there that I haven't, I haven't deviated, uh, you know, heavily from what he said mm. and what he That's... was trying to convey. The thing, the thing to remember um, about, and I, I, I would not dare assume that no deaths occurred because of socialism at, uh, at Plymouth, but that first winter um, at Plymouth saw half of the party uh, wow. to succumb to death. And so that was actually prior to the, ex the most of the time in the experiment we're talking about. It's a two-year uh, experiment. I don't oh know about deaths that occurred, uh, you know, in between uh, 1621 and 1623, but they did know that they were on a dead-end path and that if they didn't change, then they would starve. Now, in, at, uh, at uh, uh, Jamestown, there were deaths. Uh, specifically, um, the uh, the problem that was occurring in Jamestown is people were shirking. They weren't <laughs> doing their jobs. They mm -hmm. weren't. This is this is so. Um, much like what was happening at Plymouth or what would happen at Plymouth 10 years later. But um, the um, it, it, it was clear that they could not continue the way they were going. And so John Smith, Captain John Smith, um, he took charge and he basically said, folks, we have not been successful in this venture as of late and we cannot continue the way we're going. So I have news for everyone who's been contributing to this effort. From now on, if you don't work, you don't get to eat. That is absolutely going to be a hard and fast rule. And so he implemented what Paul I can't believe said he'd was, say that, Bev. I can't he, believe he, that, that. Oh, it you sounds know the, so harsh. But see, yeah. what we've already talked about, though, is how, um, it, you know, um, if the free enterprise system will uh, provide incentive to take responsibility. And, um, you know, it, <laughs> this was the incentive that was needed in Jamestown. If you don't work, you don't eat. And guess what? People begin to work. If they realize, <laughs> it's amazing how that works. If they realize <laughs> that they won't be able to eat if they don't work. Um, That's and, right. Uh, when Captain Smith, I, I, I recorded this in one of the articles that um, I, I wrote, when Captain Smith laid down the law that only those who 
worked would eat, Jamestown began to jettison a communal system in favor of the more closely aligned of of one more closely aligned with the free enterprise economic model upheld in scripture. Jamestown would transition to free enterprise through a process, not instantaneously overnight. Thomas Dale would become governor of of Jamestown and would implement uh, additional uh, policies that uh, helped the uh, helped it thrive like uh, private property rights and so forth. But what um, Captain Smith did was turn the death rate around. Uh, He stabilized the colony and the second winter, less than 15% of the population died compared to more than 60% who died just a year earlier. Wow. And, it, it, and, you know, th- this is something that just amazes me because because a lot of people don't think about it this way. The the Bible has the prescription for everything. It, it, it talks uh, about every issue, including economics. And it, it's so important because w- what is this happening? Well, a turn to biblical economics and away mm-hmm. from secular economics or, or atheistic economics or uh, bad ep- economics is that it saved dozens of lives. I mean, that th- that's just incredible to go and to look at. And of course, mm-hmm. that same truth that happened there in Jamestown is actually applicable today, is that if we have the wrong kind of economics, unbiblical economics, it's going to put people's lives in danger. Do you, do you think that's something we can mm-hmm. pull from the story of Jamestown? Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, socialism, everywhere it's tried, it has failed. And Mm -hmm. so you can even go back to pre days that are uh, before uh, Karl Marx was around and uh, see that how this played out. Um, So much of the time uh, socialism is promoted as a system of justice. But I want to illustrate how socialism itself is a structure that is unjust. Uh, Thomas DeLorenzo in his book, uh, How Capitalism Saved America, uses a scenario uh, where he illustrates the socialist principle. Let's say that there are 10 workers who have agreed to work a field and they are uh, using a communal approach. uh, And the system calls or the plan calls for them to produce a hundred bushels of wheat. So at the end of the day or at the end of their um, work project, each um, worker would have 10 bushels uh, for his own use. All right. But let's suppose that one of the workers for a variety of reasons, distractions, laziness, slothfulness, uh, you know, just, you know, he, he d- disinterest, you know, he um, cuts his work in half and he cuts his production in half. Now, mm-hmm. that means that now, assuming that the other nine will fulfill their agreed on responsibility, which is an unlikely scenario, but let's assume for the sake of this illustration that they do, then 
95 bushels of wheat are produced instead of 100. And so when everything is divided, then everybody gets 9.5 bushels of wheat. So everybody would get uh, a half a bushel less than the plan originally called for. Right. And that doesn't sound like much of a loss, but but think about this. The nine workers who didn't shirk aren't stupid. They understand that the worker who did shirk his responsibility is getting 4.5 bushels of wheat. More, uh, he's freeloading off of their work. 4.5 right. bushels of wheat mm -hmm. for which he did not work. Now, we call that a just system. There's nothing just about it. There's nothing fair about it. Uh, it actually is free enterprise that is fair because people are rewarded in a way that's commensurate with the effort they put forth and the work they uh, put forth. And uh, justice means getting what you deserve. That's and right. so the socialist system is structured to be unjust. <laughs> it, it, absolutely. Uh, what, what, what do you guys think? Is socialism just or unjust? <laughs> well, uh, I have to agree with Bev here. I mean, the reality is that socialism is based on, uh, I mean, a complete rejection of God's uh, God's law and what he says about yep. how we should deal with uh, economic principles. It's a, it, Private property is a basic thing that is enshrined within the Ten Commandments as something that not only should you not steal from your neighbor, but you shouldn't even covet what he has. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's it, – it's – See, proper, it's doubly you, reinforced within within that. Mike, you, know? yeah. you, you, you have emphasized something so important here. The Ten Commandments underscore that property rights are not just to be honored, but they're to be res uh, 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 or, or uh, affirmed in our interactions with people. Mm -hmm. But they are also to be respected in our attitudes, That's right. in our attitudes. And, uh, you know, there, there are a number of things that Scripture simply assumes, and property rights is one of them. Mm -hmm. And you see it throughout the fabric of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's right. And so many of yeah. Jesus' parables, he uses a, uh economic approach to affirm uh, the importance of stewardship, responsibility, wise uh, management, um, productivity. And Proverbs is full of passages that affirm hard work and industriousness and planning and uh, being careful with your resources and the things entrusted mm -hmm. to you. God will hold us accountable. Yeah. You know, as I'm listening to this, the only thing that I can think of here, Bev, is that this would just be this would just be wonderful, uh, you know, not just to know and to have this knowledge, but to actually be able to sit down with people and to do a, a study on this, a Bible study on this. What, what, what do you think, Kyle? Would this be great to be able to do a Bible study on this? I mean, to, to, to go through all those verses and passages that Bev was talking about, to see it relate in, in, in a timely fashion towards what happened in the founding of America, 
really in in that and looking at the first colonies that came over. What what do you think? Would that be great? Yeah, that'd be I mean that'd be phenomenal. And Bev has done that. You can again go on to what? uh yeah, discoverbedrocktruth.org slash Thanksgiving. Not only are there the resources there, but there's a discussion guide. There is the, the resources condensed down in a way designed for you to do what it says, discuss it. So while you're listening, you know, faithful uh, Wikipedia the- listener here, while you're driving to Thanksgiving, uh, you're getting already prepped on this. Go grab the discussion guide. Bring this up at Thanksgiving. That is much better Thanksgiving <laughs> meal discussion topic than what's going on in the latest sports ball game. <laughs> Talk about that's, some history. That's right. Go to your Thanksgiving dinner. And, and, and instead of bringing up religion and politics, bring up true history that they can't refute that makes great religion and political uh, assertions and, and absolutely challenges <laughs> well, all of the worldviews. This is the way to do it. You're, you're, mm-hmm. I, I'm all for this right here. Uh, go and, and tell them. I, I, uh, I've you, often, you know, I, I'm sorry. The, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, this this is what, what people need to do. This is your homework. Right? If you're listening to this, you need to go and bring <laughs> up. That's right. Go to discoverbedrocktruth.org slash Thanksgiving, and you need to bring this up at Thanksgiving dinner and, and have a discussion on why socialism doesn't work and why ultimately we need to find our economics within Scripture. But the thing that's great about this is that that's not where the story ends. Uh, we're, in fact, mm. l- let's go back to Plymouth, guys. Let's go back to Plymouth. And let's let's talk just a little bit about Plymouth, because it, it, Plymouth and Jamestown, it didn't just refute socialism, uh, but the events of Plymouth in particular also uh, re- refute critical race theory. But but how do they do that? I mean, how does critical race theory have anything to do with Thanksgiving or specifically refuting critical race theory? Bev, you, you got to give us some enlightenment on this. There was a Babylon Bee article that sort of attuned me. Uh, to uh, explore this theme. And uh, the the article, I don't remember the exact title, but basically it was uh, that Thanksgiving Day has been changed. Uh, the name of Thanksgiving Day has, has been changed to Check Your Privilege Day uh, <laughs> so that uh, you can repent of your white privilege and feel guilty for your blessings that God has given you and you can uh, ask for forgiveness for the sins of your <laughs> ancestors. Uh, Lament. And so, so, you, you know, uh, um, you, you know, certainly racism needs to be condemned everywhere. It rears its ugly head, you know, and it's not totally absent in American society, but it is far less prevalent than it used to be. And it's ironic that all of this critical race theory and uh, emphasis on uh, oppression and victimhood is occurring at a time when America has actually made some of the greatest progress in history uh, in race relations. We are are basically an open uh, society that is not racist in our attitude. That's right. And it's interesting. You know, the other ironic thing is that when you really look honestly at the Pilgrim story, you don't get any kind 
of indication that they were racist, that they were oppressive. Now, you know, that's not to say that they treated all the Native Americans with perfection uh, and so forth, but it, 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 it is to say that for them to be maligned as oppressors, when they welcome Squanto into their community as a brother, yeah. you're telling me that that <laughs> that they were racists. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Then they mm. they established a, uh, a, a a peace agreement with the neighboring Wampanoag uh, tribe uh, with Squanto's uh, help in translating. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's astounding to me that they have taken a story that presents actually the lessons that um, are actually opposite the agenda they're trying to push, and they use that to push their agenda. So they twist history uh, to push their agenda. Um, in one of my articles where we dive into this, um, I uh, showcase 17 scriptures that talk about work uh, and God's blessing, uh, God's favor, um, God's uh, benevolent care, uh, God's uh, provision. And I, I write, I challenge my readers to look at all of these scriptures and find one shred of evidence, any, that guilt is an appropriate response to blessing. Yeah. And it's not there. It's not there. We are to respond with gratitude to God for what Thanksgiving he has one might say. done. That is an appropriate term to use as well. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that you make such a great point, because the the reality is that, you know, throughout history, you know, most groups have been um, most groups have had some degree of what you could call ethnic or racial animosity towards one another at one point or another. Um, but in reality, what we see with, you know, the founding of America and what happened over time is you see great strides being made here uh, that hadn't been made elsewhere in the world, like you've been talking about, um, in such a way that, you know, it, we, we have a recognition of the image of God and other people on the basis of the fact that they are created by God, um, not on the basis of skin color. And so it is a beautiful thing what God has done through this nation and through, um, and, and through what has happened. And uh, I love to see that the, that has its roots in the very beginnings of um, the United States. I mean, this is pro before the United States, ex you know, existed, but, mm -hmm. you know, this is the history of this land. Um, and it is not founded on critical race theory. It's not founded on assumptions of privilege and power and oppression and all of that stuff. I mean, the reality is this, the, 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 the real racism that is uh, existing in American society today is actually the racism of critical race theory. Um, which posits that some people are inherently oppressors on the basis of their skin color and some people aren't. Um, and so I think that uh, seeing the example of what was actually happening at Plymouth is, is it's really good because it, it points yeah. us back to the reality, which is that um, God has created every single individual in his image 
and he wants all persons to be saved and to be um, and to be reconciled uh, with himself. And also, um, what, what does it say? What did Jesus say? He said that the greatest commandment was to love God with essentially all of who you are. I'm paraphrasing. And then he also said to love your neighbor as yourself. That includes your neighbor who looks different from you. Absolutely. Um, and that's what we see was being done towards people like Swanto from the very beginning. So I love that you highlighted that. That's a that's a really, really important thing for us to, to understand. John Jay, who was uh, the first uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, he said before the founding of America, there had been almost nothing done to eliminate slavery. But he saw in the founding documents and in the efforts of the abolitionists of that time, efforts being made to eliminate slavery. It took longer than it should have. It absolutely did. But the seeds were being planted. What better way to start a process that could not occur overnight the elimination of slavery, which had been, uh, you know, a part of the fabric of society for hundreds of years. What better way to begin that process than to uh, uphold the principle that all are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among these life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, Americans, you know, we have not always been. Uh, consistent in living up to those ideals, but we have made progress. And, yeah, and uh, you know, at, at, with a, a civil war being fought to actually that in the end result of which was the emancipation of, of uh, slaves and the end of slavery in America. Um, so uh, we need to view history not from with the the lens of our own culture, but we need to understand the culture of the day and uh, view it that way and not come down with condescending judgment because we know better than they knew. Actually, they were wiser than we would have been probably in their in that situation. And, That's right. And, and, you know, I, I really love this point when it comes to Thanksgiving and this Thanksgiving story of both Plymouth and Jamestown is that it really demonstrates this idea that racism and gratitude, the idea of critical race theory, we could even say, and, and gratitude, well, they're, they're incompatible. Uh, the, these these two things, they, they just don't go together at all. It, it's, uh, you know, it's oil and water. And and that is something that I don't think people understand. You know, we're, we're the Wikipedia podcast, so we're, we're coming out, we're, we're calling out the woke, which, of course, critical race theory is woke. But this idea of the woke, they're, they're not thankful. They're not grateful. It's really based upon being, well, prideful and arrogant and really complaining and discontent. That's really the, the premises and a lot of the foundation of of this whole idea of being woke, but we we see this of being defeated at Jamestown. I, I mean, obviously there was still sin in Jamestown and, and in Plymouth, but 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 a lot of this was being defeated, and of course it's being defeated because instead of just taking off the old man, they also put on the new man, which is thankfulness. And, and, and I think a good way to wrap up this 
uh, this th- this podcast here today, guys, would be for us to list some of the things that we're thankful for. So I'm putting you guys on the spot. <laughs> but uh, Kyle, what, what, what are you thankful for today? Well, uh, you let me go first, so I get to cheat a little bit. And I'm thankful for Wikipedia, and I'm thankful for enemies within the church. And not just because of the good external work it's doing for all of you listening, but for the value that it's brought in my own life. It's given me uh, the opportunity to call out these errors and to encourage other people to stand up. And I'm thankful that God gave me a voice and has given me opportunities to use that voice to promote and advance his kingdom. Beyond that, I'm thankful to live. Despite all the the issues that we're seeing, I'm thankful to live in a country like the United States where we do have so much more opportunity and we can, we have the ability, we can, we can turn things around. So, well, I'm, I'm really, really glad that you're, you're thankful uh, for those things. M- Micah, what, <laughs> yeah. what are some things uh, that you're thankful for today? You know, I, I, I've got to say, you know, since this is our Thanksgiving episode, first and foremost, I'm thankful uh, for my wonderful wife um, that God has blessed me with. Um, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing, as Scripture says, and finds a blessing from the Lord. And uh, that's uh, that's the first and foremost thing. And I'm I'm thankful for my family. And uh, I'm also thankful for Bev and uh, for his uh, willingness to come on here and to share some of these insights, um, because these are things that you don't really get from the mainstream culture. This is something that is counterculture. That's really what this is. It's, it's countercultural, unfortunately, in in today's world, when in reality, this should just this should be something that everybody's taught. So I'm I'm glad to hear these words of, of wisdom from history, um, that we get to learn about from Bev, um, and uh, I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be discussing this uh, on this podcast. Bev, what about you? What are you grateful well, for this uh, this Thanksgiving? Uh, I, I I was uh, just being on this uh, podcast reminds me of this. I I uh, I worked for 17 and a half years with a Christian publisher as an editor. And in 2012, I was laid off and it was a process of uh, just uh, two or three years after I was laid off, I started my blog. And um, uh, the the point or the goal was to write uh, articles about cultural issues from a biblical perspective. Um, And I began to do that once a week. And. Uh, and uh, now, seven years later, I have over 400 articles that I've written. Wow. Some of them, a uh, series of articles that I've turned into Bible studies available at Discover Bedrock Truth. And uh, my my platform is not very big uh, in terms of readers, but uh, through podcasts like this, um, it can increase. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh address these issues that are really on the front lines of spiritual warfare today. Um, uh, uh, Marxism is not compassionate. It is not Christian. It is incompatible with Christianity. Uh, 
Karl Marx said communism, and he could have said socialism too, begins where atheism begins. And that's right. You know, uh, you know, Karl Marx was wrong about a lot of things, but he wasn't wrong about that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and uh, our, our, uh, uh, the church today, our Christian community in America needs to understand these things. We need a worldview Christianity. And I'm, I'm grateful to, to try to make uh, a contribution to help people see that. I don't have all the answers, but uh, I have been on a journey where I've been learning uh, a, a, a learning process. I've learned a lot in what I've written. Um, and primarily, though, in Bible study, because I, I want you to know Scripture, that's another thing I'm thankful for. Scripture has the answers to our deepest questions and our most basic questions about how to live, about um, what really is important in life. And uh, what uh, will succeed and what fails? We can <laughs> we can avoid so much heartache if we follow it. That's right, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you want to dig deeper into what we've been discussing here, you need to go and go to discoverbedrocktruth.org. Once again, that's discoverbedrocktruth.org/slash. Thanksgiving. And and you can dig into this. You can go ahead and get this whole study. You can find all of this. You can get a really interesting topic going there at your Thanksgiving table. And and so if you're listening to this on your way to your Thanksgiving meal, I'm telling you, this is, this is the way to do it. This might stir the pot a little bit, but it'll stir it in the good way. And I think it will bring up true Thanksgiving. And, and, you know, just as Bev said, he, he, he stole a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, about being thankful, and that's okay. I, I'm, I'm glad. That's the that's the danger in going last of saying what you're thankful for. But but I'm thankful that Scripture speaks to all areas of life, and of course, one of the most important, really the most important thing that it speaks to, is how to be saved. And it tells us in John 14:6 that Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." The only way that we can be saved. That's ultimately what I'm most thankful for is through Jesus. Christ. And of course, how can we be saved through Jesus Christ? Well, he died on the cross for our sins. He died on the cross for my sins and he was buried and he rose again on the third day to provide a way of salvation for all who would believe. It tells us in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. Gives us a great promise. Just a few verses down in Romans 10, 9, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you haven't called upon the name of the Lord today, if you have not done that in your life, there is nothing greater that you could do for Thanksgiving or any other day than to call upon the name of Jesus Christ and to lay hold of that salvation through the blood of the lamb that was slain for your sins. And I would invite you to do that today. I would plead with you to do that today. And that will be the thing that you will be most thankful for. Well, guys, any last words before we sign off? Wow, I got everybody <laughs> speechless. That's like the first time. <laughs> Thank you for I, I having mean, me. <laughs> Thank you, you so much for being on. Thank you so much for coming uh, on. Well, guys, keep standing for the truth. 
And don't go woke.